This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my home with the other person who lives in my home and the other person who is on this podcast with me. It's Sarah Scrimshaw. Hello. Hello. How are you? Um, you know, <laughs> I've taken to describing things in series of circles, bubbles, if you were. Okay. How so are your bubbles? within our small little circle of our apartment. Okay. I, I'm doing okay. Okay. For, you know, in this our exact apartment moment bubble. of time. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a very honest answer. Would you ask me, uh, how are you? And then I will answer. Yeah. How are you? Just fair. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Do you know where I got it from? Where? The Sound of Music, the thing we're going to talk about today. (laughs) (laughs) It was one of my favorite parts. Somebody asked Liesl how she is, and she's like, just fair. (laughs) Yeah. And it just hit me because everybody's been wrestling with this, how are you question. Every time I have a Zoom call or talking to people before we do a podcast or whatever, it's like, "Eh, well, yeah. And Liesl just nails it on the head right away. Just fair. That's how I'm doing. (laughs) I like that. Accurate. Very accurate. Very accurate. And a good part of this movie called Sound of Music. So that's what we're going to talk about. Um, You and I rewatched the film recently. I think you are obsessed with it. Is that fair? Or are we going to discover that over the course of this podcast? We're going to discover. Okay. So you're not sure right now if you're obsessed. I mean, in this exact moment, I think I am obsessed, but we're going to discover more. Okay, we're going to discover more. Okay, we'll discover uh, more of the truth. Uh, You know, Sound of Music is not an obscure film. Or story, or play, uh, or musical. But for people who are maybe not familiar with it, I wrote a quick summary. Are you ready for the summary of Sound of Music? A young woman, played by Julie Andrews, enjoys singing in hills. She is a nun in training in Austria, but having a hard time fitting in. So she is assigned to be the governess for the Von Trapp family. She bonds with the children, teaching them how to sing, and just generally enjoy life. She falls in love with the retired sea captain, George Von Trapp, who she also taught to enjoy life. Then the Nazis almost ruin everything, but they fail. The end. <laughs> I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Is that an, an <laughs> yeah. honest and accurate assessment of this? Like, uh, what? How long is the movie? Like two and a half hours? Some close to that. Yeah, closer to three. Yeah. Yeah, I think two and a half. Anyway, yeah, somewhere in there. Or I think, as I probably first saw it on broadcast uh, on television, it was probably seventy-two hours with commercials. <laughs> <laughs> but who knows? But let's dive into this. What are your early memories of Sound of Music? Yeah. So Sound of Music, as you just mentioned, used to be broadcast on TV back in those days where that was the only way that any of us got to watch anything. Uh, you know, it was on one of the three channels, I think, that we got at least at our house. And I don't remember which holiday it was associated with or time of year, but it was on TV and in like I, an annual thing like you yeah. know like oh yeah somewhere in these holiday season is going to be sound of music yeah i mean so my first memory of it i i, I have to have been fairly young so you know my parents said <laughs> we're gonna watch the sound of music and um uh my my parents in particular my mother big fans of of the movie and um so we we would watch it but um there as you mentioned there are commercial breaks and so spoilers for this yes, movie. This is going to be full <laughs> spoilers for Sound of Music. I'm sorry. Well, I already told people that the Nazis fail. So, oh, spoiler. There we go. Um, so, there's there was always a commercial break um, at, after the wedding scene. And for at least 
for sure, I'm going to say two years, maybe more, maybe, maybe only one year. Um, that was where I think both my brother and I were sent to bed. Okay. For sure me. I just don't honestly remember if my brother who was older was also sent to bed. So for a, quite a few years, I, I remember this. Sorry, this is the longest answer Please, to no, a non-answer. I, I, um, but I, I have such strong memories of the movie, but I didn't know the ending because I was sent to bed after the wedding before the Nazis come. Basically. Okay. So I, That's so great. Because I think my parents, rightly so, were worried about me getting um, nightmares from some of the scenes that follow. You and, mean hiding in a graveyard from Nazis? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I think that was a fair assessment of probably five-year-old Sarah. Um, and so then I remember at one point, I don't know. If, I mean, they must have obviously decided we were old enough. I was old enough. Maybe my brother had already been staying up. And when you're like, I came back down and they're like, ah, like, what? Well, I, I need to, I'm going to talk to them about this. Uh, they're going to listen to this podcast, but I'm going to talk to them about this because <laughs> I don't remember the details. Anyway, for a long time, I didn't know the ending of Sound of Music. But then still as a child, probably by the time I was like eight or nine, I got to watch the whole thing. I was like, what? What's all the rest of this that I never knew about? <laughs> so you, uh, I know you might not remember some of these details, but I'm going to ask anyway, because it's yeah. fascinating. The first time that you watched it all the way through, mm-hmm. Was it, was there any element in any of this where your parents were like, okay, you're old enough now to see the last chunk of Sound of Music? Oh, oh, definitely. Like they, I, this is what honestly I don't remember is if it was just like, okay, you're old enough, you get to stay. Or if they just forgot one year <laughs> to put us to bed. Um, I mean, by then I'm sure like if I was old enough, my brother probably had been watching it. So you're about 17 me. at this time, 16 <laughs> going on 17 when you yeah, can see much, all exactly. the sound of music. Yeah. Yeah. I'd already been in the play, but I still didn't know how it, how it ended. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Um, I was probably eight somewhere okay. around there, eight or nine. And I was like, wait a second, what's all this? And like, oh, yeah, well, we don't want you to have nightmares. So we would put you to bed um, at the part that's the happy ending. So how do you remember how much they leaned into this when they put you to bed uh, after the wedding? Would they like turn off the television and go, well, that was great. Got to go do some dishes. You kids go to bed. Did they like lean into it all the way? I honestly don't remember. (laughs) I mean, you're a kid. You're used to being told it's time to go to bed. And you know your parents stay up after you and watch the TV, so you don't really think about it. Yeah. And I think um, there are other shows that I started, um, shows or movies that I started watching because I would come back downstairs where the TV was and be like, what's going on? (laughs) And they'd be like, oh, well, maybe you are old enough to watch this now. So, like, I would do that, but I don't think I did. I mean, I think I was really probably fairly young yeah, and then not that old when they let me watch the whole thing. Yeah, I think I was just always aware of my parents. Any time that they sent us to bed when I was that young, were not uh, my mother in particular was not uh, at all savvy about it. Like I remember in particular, there was a time where we were watching uh, television, and she would send us to bed. Uh, we would watch like the sitcoms, but then before like Hill Street Blues and adult stuff comes on, she would send us to bed. But then we would we would not only hear the TV. But she would be mixing a bowl of M&M's and Reese's Pieces. So it would be this distinctive sound of the fun is still happening, but you are not a part of it because you'd hear like the tear and then the, tinkle, 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 the M&M's and the Reese's Pieces got mixed together. And that was the sound of being excluded from the uh, entertainment that was still happening. In the yeah. Oh, I totally. I don't I don't remember sounds of fun food. I, that might have taken me out of bed. <laughs> um, the, the one that I have strong memories of being like, 
Hey, why is everybody else still up? Was um, I was originally not allowed to stay up and watch Murder She Wrote. Okay. <laughs> and then it's like you heard all that. But everybody and else is down here. I yeah. want to be down here, and they're like, okay. You can stay down here too. <laughs> uh, so well, this it's so fascinating to me that for a while you thought it ended at the wedding. So like I know you were you were young and you were not contemplating like the themes and the ideas and the emotional resonance of Sound of Music. You were just, you know, absorbing it. Mm-hmm. But how, do you think that's affected the way you've seen it? Because to me there is this element to Sound of Music, which we'll talk about, of a huge part of its power is there's this uh, well-layered creeping dread of the Nazis. But a large part of the film, you, like the characters, can just ignore it and just enjoy <laughs> a, a sweet romantic uh, comedy drama musical. So do you think it affected you to go to bed right at the point where you could still retain that illusion before that creeping dread of the Nazis uh, comes into reality? I don't think so. And here's why. Is when we were watching it, I was like, and then they would sing at the folk festival and I would have to go to bed. And we watched it. I was like, that's not possible. And also when it was the wedding scene, I was like, oh, no, this was the ending to me. Okay. Like, it's clear place for a commercial break. I remember that being the end for me. But I think um, I think it was so young. I mean, I was probably like yeah. seven or eight by the time I got to watch the full thing. Okay. Um, and, I, th- you know, I think there was a little like, okay, is no, there's no way to go like put them to bed and read them bedtime stories <laughs> like the whole shebang um <laughs> we got two minutes max get in bed kid <laughs> yeah i was not i don't think i was that kind of going to bed kid. <laughs> okay <laughs> all right this is, this is fascinating so once you were able to get a little bit older and, yeah uh, and watch sound of music you know it's a family favorite it's uh, every year mm-hmm. that you're watching it uh, you know the whole story now with commercials and everything. Yeah. How do you feel about it as a kid? I mean, Rolf. Come on, Rolf. <laughs> so you saw, sort of saw yourself in related to Liesl and were affected by that betrayal? I, I know. I think I, I mean, I think I very much, um, not the betrayal of Liesl, but just the betrayal of the family. By and Rolf. I, uh, by Rolf, specifically. Yeah. You know, the scene in the graveyard where he doesn't at first give them away but then blows his whistle yeah um you know i mean of course i very much related to the von trapp children yeah i mean of course because you're a child <laughs> I and you child. like to sing and yeah <laughs> i mean i i'm laughing because like i you know did not clearly from what i've just said did not grow up in a household where i was directed places by whistle um <laughs> but i but yeah but i think just that thought of um such deep betrayal um, yeah. of the people you know and, and of the people you've professed earlier in this movie to love, um, but not so much. I mean, I think at least at a young age that I was too young for kind of quite getting that, even though I loved I Am 16 going on 17. What a fun song. <laughs> and, you know, like, you, you, as a kid, like you, I was kind of like, ooh, what's that? What's romance? Yeah. What's dancing in the rain? Ooh. But I don't think it was directly to the betrayal of Lisa, but the betrayal of the whole family. Yeah. And just that, like, what? But they're looking for them, and if they get caught, it's your fault. And I wasn't, at the same time, old enough to understand that he was following this ideology that he believed. Yeah. Like, I didn't get that nuance yet, but I got the, like, he's betraying. Yeah. 
I think, yeah, that's what stuck with me because I think I maybe saw it once on television as a kid, maybe twice. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what has stuck with me all through the years because I think it is natural for kids to relate to the kid story. Mm-hmm. But not just the kid story of like, oh, the little kids who are littler kids who are being cute or emotional or want their mom. Like, uh, that, that's all great storytelling and important. But I think kids naturally look to the, the kid who is about to not become a kid. Because that's your fantasy of where you're going to go. You know, what is it going to be like when you are 16 turning on 17 mm-hmm. and just taking those first sort of fumbling steps mm-hmm. into actually being an adult? Uh, so I think I was really affected by that story of romance uh, between them. And yeah, I remember just like growing up going, my only real strong memory of Sound of Music being Rolf, that <laughs> such and such. Like just right? yeah, yeah, feeling that viscerally because yeah. you could relate to that story, you know? Yeah. And um you know, I don't think I did any actual like intellectual work. I think it just happens emotionally, almost subconsciously of like you have the, those relationships as a kid where mm-hmm. you have, you know, depending on what kind of kid you are, you have other kids, you know, you're in fourth, fifth grade, you have other kids you like, and you know, other, other, you know, kids that you don't like maybe, or don't like you or, you know, that kid who pretends to like you, but then doesn't. And mm-hmm. so all of that stuff felt relatable. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I was in hate Rolf club. Yeah. Yeah. But it's very funny that that to both of us that that is like that is absolutely from watching it as a child. Yeah. Like the part of the whole Nazi takeover that I remember is the betrayal by Ralph by Rolf. Yeah. Um, It's interesting that you say that, too. But I think I think that's a great point about as a kid, you are always looking at what are those the the kids who seem so old that they are adults but you know they're also taking that next step yeah yeah in the movie is obviously does a lot of work yes. for that to, yes. to uh, s- support that perspective of uh of liesel so then you um ended up doing being in a production right yeah so tell me about that what was that experience yeah so that was um great fun so one of um the community theaters uh in the area that i lived in by this time you know we lived in uh iowa and my Mom and I were both in the production of The Sound of Music. I was Louisa. And uh, how does Louisa announce herself when she gets the introduced with the whistle? Oh, well, when she's an, announced with the whistle, her dad's there. So she just says she's Louisa. But once her dad leaves and they all um, kind of uh, try to play mischief, uh, she introduces herself as Brigida. Oh, so yeah, she lies. <laughs> right. Because yeah. it, isn't it the boy who says, I'm so and so and I'm a problem? Yes, yes. Both of the boys. The um the elder Frederick, um um what does he say in I'm I think he says he's difficult. Yeah. Or I'm impossible. I'm That's impossible. Yeah. And then Kurt says he's incorrigible. <laughs> and Louisa just says, I'm Louisa and then No, she says, I'm Brigitta. Oh, right, when she's first introduced. Yes, and then when once her dad leaves and then yeah. Brigitta steps forward and she's like uh, well, no, actually, Maria is like, you didn't say how old you are, Louisa, kind of like showing I've been paying oh, attention, yeah. I'm smart. So then Brigida sets forward and is like, I'm Brigida, that's Louisa. She's 13, I'm 10, and you're smart. <laughs> uh, okay, so yeah, all, all, I mean, it, it makes total sense to me because you're just, uh, a lot of your mood and personality I can see in Sound of Music, and, it, <laughs> and that is a good thing. So get, yeah. let's get back to this production. So you played Louisa. So I played Louisa. Were you Louisa. happy with that role? Absolutely. I mean, honestly, Louisa, I mean, the Von Trapp children is a little bit about what age you are. Yeah. I think I was 13. 
around there, 12 or 13. Um, and also, I, I've, I've talked about this before, it's about height. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, you know, always very tall for my age. Um, but no, I, I mean, I was thrilled to be cast because there are seven children. And so I was just very happy to have been cast in it. And it was, uh, you know, at, at that time in my life, I was constantly doing plays and musicals. And I was, I don't know if it was me, but I was constantly being cast as the brat. Okay. You know, or kind of just like the difficult one. It was around, I think shortly after that, I was Little Red Riding Hood and Into the Woods, who's a little bit difficult. Like, and I had one or two other roles where I was truly the brat. Okay. And I was like, okay, what's the saying about me? <laughs> <laughs> Probably that you had good acting chops because the brat needs to be a good actor. Thank you. I will take that. I'll take that compliment. Um, but no, it was super fun. I, I, it was a, um, a community theater company that I, my mom and I had both done a few other shows. My mom was one of the nuns okay. and one of the party go- goers. And, um, and we had some other friends. It was in the next town over. So we had some other friends from our town who were in it. So we would, you know, kind of commute back and forth. Nice. And um, a few, <clears throat> excuse me, a few of the other people I had done shows with were some of the other kids. Like one of my really good theater friends was the girl who played Brigida. Um, so that was fun. And I remember also having a little bit of that, like the person who played Liesel, was older i think she was 16 or 17 and you know we didn't have that many other people of that age kind of in our little you know community theater circles either kids or adults and so i was like ooh, so there's that like a little bit of the real world (laughs) reflection of the movie of you're curious about her uh adventures in life yeah totally like she would go tanning and had one of those little um um uh, things like you put a little sticker so you kind of know how dark you're getting oh really yeah <laughs> and I'd, I'd never seen that before i was like wow she had that uh, you wear it all the time or did you see her tanning or what no like you then you would like she would i think she would show us and i think it was probably like a playboy bunny or something so okay. it's like cool such a <laughs> this is <laughs> who is this <laughs> this young woman <laughs> a little um, emphasis on going on 17 here yeah <laughs> but so you would see like the the lighter skin like it, it was on you while you were in a tanning bed and then okay. to kind of like measure how dark you're getting okay interesting Something. i don't know i've never gone tanning yeah this my full experience is my interpretation of what she was showing us yeah so uh, when i think back on shows that i've done mm-hmm. like sometimes i can try to like zoom out and look at it big picture and try to remember or imagine the audience response to the whole thing but my memories are always sort of that those visceral moments of this specific scene that I loved or this specific scene that was a challenge or this one time where this thing went wrong. What kind of visceral memories do you have of doing this? Was there a song that you liked doing? Was there a part that was exhausting? Mm. Was there something that was hard to nail? Um, I would say, honestly, most of my memories are just really enjoying the experience. The Those of us who played the the kids from um, the person who played Marta was actually <laughs> also a friend of mine who happened to be very short, but she was probably like 11, not <laughs> six or seven or whatever. So, so she had to play really young. Yeah. And it, she always did. She was great at it. She was really good and could always, you know, nail all the lines and everything as a result. So I just really remember that camaraderie. And also I had never seen the musical version and the musical version has some different songs. Okay. And so I was like, well, what are these songs and who is this? And like, you know, there's always like, oh, what? It's this intrigue thing going on that I don't understand with all the adults over there. But because it was a show that had um, for a musical with like actual um, named children roles, a significant number of kids, we kind of just did our own thing. 
Okay. <laughs> I mean, not in terms of on the stage. Like on the stage, we were just go out there and go crazy, Von Trapp kids. <laughs> we we all took it very seriously, and okay. you know, did all did all of it. And I remember, you know, waiting for the curtain to go up, and like, okay. But I at that point was kind of consistently doing theater whenever I could okay and performing whenever I could also you know as um, dancing as well but I was really doing a lot of musical theater at the time and so it wasn't I didn't like I didn't have the same kind of state maybe the first night of like okay gotta make sure I know all of this but then it Brothers was are just like is go like going to the grocery store you're doing a show this is what you do <laughs> I mean I loved it and so it was just really fun yeah 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 cool uh did you uh puppet uh, goats. I was trying to remember that. I honestly don't remember. <laughs> yeah, whenever we watching, knowing you had played Louisa, it was really fun to go like, did you do that part? Did you do that part? <laughs> I don't think I. Th- if people played the puppeteers, I don't think we did, or maybe adults did the puppets. We okay. I, I honestly don't remember. That also might be one of the things that's a little bit different in movie versus yeah. play, because doing a marionette show on a smaller stage on a stage when you've got like a you know theater yeah uh, it, it, it yeah if i same. was doing a production i would have large humans dressed as the puppets <laughs> and i would have them dance around and Excellent. it would be very surreal i will be one of those puppets in the next production <laughs> i do uh yes you you are welcome to be a dancing goat puppet <laughs> uh, in my production of sound music <laughs> that i'm totally gonna do um did it change your perception of the story at all being inside mm. it or was it just at this point it was just like a really familiar obviously you know you liked it your family loved it. it it sounds like it was just sort of like this is a staple this is a pillar of our entertainment world mm-hmm. so did you did it cause you to look at it any different way or was it just so a, a part of the osmosis of your childhood and your family that it's just like yeah it's sound of music it's like you you know you have to uh, grocery store is my example <laughs> for the day like was, did it just not feel that different because it's just so everywhere i i think so i think um you know at that point i don't know if it was still on tv annually we no longer watched it annually so it had been quite a while since i had seen the movie okay um probably many years um probably you know not since i've been like 10 or something and so um so i i think it i don't really remember like having it have a big change on how I thought about the film. I think, yeah. you know, it's it's another instance of because I was in it, I wasn't watching it from the outside. I was thinking about it from my Sarah's perspective. I was yeah. thinking about it from my character Louisa's perspective, but I wasn't necessarily thinking about it from the like uh, Anschluss of Austria and takeover by the Nazis perspective. Um, I think some of the parts of the movie that I maybe didn't hit me as much when I was younger or the the play as well, like some of the other characters in the who win in the folk festival at the end. Yeah. Like the constantly bowing lady. Yeah. Um, I remember <laughs> like things like that, I think, kind of started to other parts of it that I hadn't picked up on as much as a young child. I started to pick on more. But right. Because you're there in the audience hearing that person get laughs if they do that shtick right yeah and they're backstage well they're yeah and you, yeah that's your yeah it's, it's your friend right yeah yeah interesting so i am of the opinion that any art any entertainment does kind of get under our skins and and affect us especially if we watch it a lot when we're young or are literally in it like you were mm-hmm. uh so i'm not saying like what life lessons did you learn in terms of like, you wrote down, here's my sound of music life lesson and it <laughs> shall shape my life. I should have. But looking back in retrospect, 
do you think that there's any sort of perspectives or ideas that maybe about life that Sound of Music uh, locked in? Uh, were you? Uh, did you not trust anyone named Rolf? <laughs> were you concerned uh, when you started uh, dating that the boy would be a Nazi? Uh, joking a little bit, but is there anything like that? Or, or, you know, I could rattle off other things that I think Sound of Music supports. Yeah. It, it, you know, just sort of thematically, but I, I want to leave it open. Yeah. Um, gosh, that's a really good question. I, I wish that I had a really good answer. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't feel like I, I can't think of, from the experience of being in the film, I can't, or except, you know, <laughs> did I tell you I was alive in 1965? <laughs> I thought you were a time traveler. <laughs> Um, from the experience of being in the musical, I don't know that that in particular gave me life lessons connected to the sound of music. I think it was more life lessons that kind of being in theater gives you of okay. you know, putting yourself out there and trying new things and learning how to make friends and, you know, kind of all of the like true life lessons that I feel like you get from being part of something. Yeah. Um, but in terms of watching the sound of music, mm-hmm. the film, um, I th- honestly, I think kind of, uh, I think it left me for a long time, but I think the idea of, um, <laughs> it's kind of, to me, like when I, when I see it before having seen it again, when we just rewatched it, it feels cheesy, but I also feel like it does have a lot of power. That idea of my, th- my favorite things of mm. thinking of positive things or si- kind of singing to yourself when you don't know what you're doing. Um, I actually think for a long time in my younger life was subconsciously there of like okay well you gotta just take life and grab life and okay here this is here i'll do this okay not sure about this but okay here we go like i don't think it was super conscious like i wasn't like okay i'm maria von trapp standing in front of the or maria standing in front of the von trapp family house but i think some of those um lessons did definitely seep in yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense because you just described what i think is the message of the song climb every mountain (laughs) right (laughs) just climb every mountain until you find your dream right is Mm -hmm. that that and you certainly knowing your life you certainly did find things that you're interested in and then you climb that mountain (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's also just really interesting to see how much the film very clearly has this bundle of things that are good and kind of puts a stamp on them and i think really uh, in kind of the language of film and the way it's structured it sets them up in opposition to nazism and totalitarianism Mm -hmm. uh and a that nature is good i mean mm-hmm. there's a reason that first scene is famous other than cool helicopter shot is that this just celebration of if you want to reconnect to your humanity the way you do that is you sing songs and you go out into uh nature mm-hmm. and you you have to be alive you can't let yourself be in a state of constant mourning or rigidity and just everything that that uh maria really represents is framed as these are the the pile of good things that will get you through even the most horrible time in life Mm -hmm. is a connection to nature singing you know striving toward uh, a goal even if you're not sure it's the right goal until you find the right goal do you think any of those things seeped in definitely here's here's a um, a realization is I, uh, you know, watched a lot when I was younger that was in it. 
then probably hadn't seen it again before we watched it recently for a good 15, 20 years, if that, maybe longer. Um, I had the DVD, so maybe I watched it at some point myself. But but watching it, so you and I rewatched it last week, uh, something like that. And when we watched it, I realized how much of it was deep within my bones. Yeah. In a way, I just, like, if you had asked me this two weeks ago, I would have been like, well, I watched it a lot, and, you know, I was I really liked the song My Favorite Things and, you know, some of those things when I was little, but I don't think about it. But watching it now, um, I have re- I realized how many of those concepts were just deep within me. Yeah. Of think, everything, yeah, everything that you were just saying. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I didn't mean to cut you off. I, I was just saying I think that's what's powerful because obviously knowing you well, I know your your taste in art and I know your sense of humor and sometimes we'll watch a movie and go like, oh, I get that, why you'd really like that movie. Mm-hmm. This movie was on this other level of, you know, <laughs> listeners of podcasts know how often you talk about uh, trees <laughs> and how often you talk about nuance and that you have this, you know, long uh, history as a singer and a dancer and somebody who kind of does need to be in touch with the more organic and flowing and joyful side of life mm-hmm. in order to feel balanced. So like watching this film going, oh, damn, just the, the large parts of this movie are just they, they're my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Not the Nazi part, for sure. Right. Yeah. Or the Rolf part. Goodness. Yeah. No. And you like gazebos. It's just everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Do, uh, I don't mean to speak for you. Do you feel like those uh, things are accurate? Yeah. Yeah. No, I absolutely feel like those are all accurate from, um, you know, like you were just saying, like that opening scene with, um, you know, kind of the hills are alive. Um, and I don't remember the exact words, but like there's a line about um, in the opening song where that Maria is singing about, you know, she when she kind of doesn't know what she's doing, she needs to go up into the hills. Yeah. And that feeling of like being with nature, which I definitely feel for myself. And I feel like I here in our time of staying at home more, more and more people are realizing that like, Oh yeah, no, we do need that. That actually helps all of us may, whether we need notice it or not. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel like that's definitely in there. I feel like the, um, the song I have confidence, uh, is I had, kind of forgotten about but oh my gosh do i love that song and just kind of the message of that song of um all of these other things that you know she has confidence in like that the sun will come up and all of this and so therefore she also can have confidence in herself yeah um like what a great anthem of self-awareness but i think in particular i come back a lot to my favorite things because it is so well known and so honestly i think probably for people of our generation almost to a point of overdone that it can become a point of um uh, i can like there's a lot of parodies of it parody. it's, it, yeah. it, it, it is it can't outside of the context of the film in the context of the scene if you just hear the song it can sound saccharine in a way that really invites it to be undercut by comedy yeah exactly and so i think there's so much of that but when you look at it in the film and look at it kind of in a in a real sense, yeah, um, th- the idea of um, focusing on things that can help get you through a difficult time. Um, it's not exactly looking at like you know what's the what are the positive things, uh, the silver lining, but a little bit of that. But I feel like that the mindset of that and the mindset of 
coming together to find strength when you're scared. Yeah. Um, are just really uh, strong, strong messages. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and put a pin in our favorite things. I want to talk about that more. Okay. But I want to ask you as well. Um, you've kind of touched on it, but uh, what what all was new to you when we rewatched it? Oh, uh, because to me it was like I, I saw it when I was a kid. I think I saw it in my early twenties uh, when I was probably um, still not ready to accept some of the more sincere side of mm-hmm. the film. Um, and for me, just watching it was like an entirely different experience. Yes. So I'm really curious for you, what was new to you? How did you see it differently? It it was um I uh, I eye opening. It was amazing because here's the thing is I had been kind of we had been talking about rewatching it and I've been wanting to rewatch it, but I was also, you know, a little nervous that it was the movie overall was going to feel a little some parts of it a little saccharine, some parts of it a little forced. Um and I was worried that it would not stand up to what it had been to me when I was little. Yeah. And I was absolutely blown away by um the cinematography of it, I mean, it is a beautiful film, which did not, like, I mean, I don't know. I'm sure there are some seven and eight-year-olds who are like, ooh, that film's beautiful. But to this seven and eight-year-old, I cared about the story. I cared yeah. about the songs. I didn't care how beautiful it was. I mean, I probably did. It just, because that, you know, I loved the pictures of it, but I didn't understand that was what I was loving. Yeah. Like, I didn't be like, oh, look at the beautiful cinematography. <laughs> yeah, and it's different to um, see it on a tiny screen possibly in pan and scan rather yeah. than you know uh, we watched on disney plus high definition wide screen and it that is a different experience it is it is so just i mean being absolutely blown away and just kind of understanding more about kind of film history and all of that now um you know everything from the beautiful opening you know helicopter sweep over the alps and really setting up the story and all the beautiful shots of Salzburg, um, you know, so just playing the cinematography of it, I was really struck by the script. Like, it, to me, it was really tight. There are a lot more moments of humor amongst the adults that I totally missed as a kid. <laughs> get back to Rolf, <laughs> you thought as a kid. Uh, get back to the Von Trapps. I mean, I wanted, yeah. I always wanted the kids and Maria, I mean, to be on set. Right. I mean, of course. Julie Andrews and, and the character of Maria are just like spellbinding. They, that's what you want on the screen at all times. And it's really effective when she's gone because all you want is for her to be back. Right. So because then, you feel like those kids do kind of listless. Right, right, right. So as a kid, uh, the other, B- Baroness, Baroness, right? The yeah. other woman he's going to marry. You were just like, TikTok, get out of here. So this was really interesting when you're watching it. As a kid, like to me, the Baroness was evil. <laughs> like Disney animated movie. Maleficent like, is going to exactly, marry Captain Von like, Tramp. Yeah. She was evil she convinced maria to leave like i just had her really built up in my mind as cold you know stone cold evil person (laughs) and watching it i was like oh she's not at all evil she's here she likes him he likes her that's they're kind of trying to make a good match also for you know like all the different complicated political financial financial, social reasons exactly and they both like each other and she's trying to save that. So she convinces Maria to leave because she thinks that's just going to be a mess anyway. But then she accepts reality and she's trying to get along with the kids and just failing miserably at it. But she's trying. And yeah. like, I did not read any of that as a kid. Uh, but so that was really interesting to me is that she was a much more sympathetic character as 
an adult. Yeah. Whereas as a child, she was just like hovering over everything. Yeah, like wicked stepmother stereotype, right? Mm-hmm. But is not actually what's happening in the film no. at all. Yeah, yeah. pretty fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, for myself, there was so much that I received differently. Um, like I said, I think I saw it when I was young and uh, as a kid and then as a young adult. And I think I've talked about this a lot before. I think just for myself, the way that I grew up and growing up in Gen X for me and feeling like that constant threat of, hey, probably probably nuclear war. You know, well, now if we survive nuclear war, AIDS will get us or or the Halloween candy or, you know, like (laughs) I was just felt like that that the real world presented all of these scary, difficult things. Mm -hmm. And at the time in the pop culture that I watched in general, it was a lot of like that episodic television where, well, a kid would have a problem on the sitcom, but the next week, but that would be problem would be solved that half hour. There'd be a cute catchphrase. And then the next episode just resets. Mm -hmm. So those combined things of like reality is really difficult and scary. And you must in, in entertainment refusing to acknowledge that I think for in my early life really shut me down to, to disliking anything that I thought was being, just positive mm-hmm. without wrestling with the reality of you got to deal with horrible stuff. So ironically, I think I just saw a sound of music of like wannabe nuns twirling in the hills and every, everything's great. Just you can fix it all with a song. Great. Like, I don't think I was in a place to receive it. Mm-hmm. So it was so great to rewatch this and see like, oh, sound of music is actually doing the exact things that I wanted it to do. I was just not in a place to see it <laughs> because that's what I so loved about it from the second that it begins this relationship between being, uh, you know, a beautiful, thoughtful, uh, fun, musical, romantic comedy that does wrestle with difficult things. Mm-hmm. But then all of that is framed with, by the way, the creeping dread of the Nazis. And it's not, you know, the fact that the opening is that title card that sets it in time. Yeah. That So you're immediately like, Oh, this isn't going to last. So as soon as you you see those beautiful shots of all the hills, you're immediately just going like these. This is an image of the good things that the Nazis are are going to ruin. Right. This is the the beautiful world that the Nazis are going to have no respect for. And as you know, it literally pays off by the time they are, you know, uh, invading places of music. You know, being in, invading. Uh, the Abbey and, yeah. and treating all those things with disrespect. So I loved uh, how much all of that was the Nazi stuff was just this constant frightening, but very quiet underneath almost all of it, you know? Um, yeah. It, it, getting up to that point too, where, it, and I think it's, um, it's extra powerful right now when we're going through extremely weird and difficult times um, to see something that I can relate to so much with the uh, the music, uh, the guy who puts on the, the festival. Mm, yeah. Just like being like, well, I'm just kind of a, a a cad who, you know, likes a little bit of drink, likes to, you know, stay at uh, rich people's <laughs> homes for free. And I just want to put on my show. I just want to live life. I just want to find the best. And the show must go on. I'm not political. Mm-hmm. And I think that I said I related to that. I don't relate to crashing at people's home uh, for free uh, for, <laughs> for money and being a cad. What I relate to is that, I'm doing my thing and I'm all about my thing. I'm doing the show. And I know, I know that there's that stuff going on there, that political stuff, but I'm not political. Mm -hmm. And then getting to that point where like, okay, well you tried to not be political. And and there are times where you can't not be political because the politics are going to come to you 
and literally invade your theater. Yeah. Like that, the power of that. Um, I think for me also, I think I had really developed a relationship with the songs outside of the context of the movie and the scenes. And, and hearing them in the context where they're, the songs are very bright and, you know, kind of operatic and a little bit tend toward the, the side of, of musicals that is not as much for me, just aesthetically. But seeing how much that it is a counter to, like, how do you solve a problem like Maria being really like, yeah, she's not exactly, she's got all of these different qualities and she's not exactly sure who she wants to be. Great. That's nice and honest about the human condition. Mm-hmm. It's not just cute. And uh, my favorite things being like, yeah, that's absolutely growing out of these kids being truly frightened of the thunderstorm and the thunderstorm being uh, sort of thematically connected to that march of Nazism by Rolf's presence in all that gazebo being this like symbol of like, this is a brief shelter from the storm. The storm is the Nazis. (laughs) The gazebo is your attitude that it's not political, not a problem. It's like, so boiling all those things for me Mm -hmm. into hearing not just my favorite things as a catchy little tune to make you feel better, but rather this, really deeply needed comfort and strategy for for holding on to hope in yeah. in really dire situations yeah changed all of that for me so yeah uh, so yes I, I had an entirely different experience for myself yeah of sound and music uh do you have any other uh, thoughts on on changed perception um i just i mean i also with the whole with the whole nazi thread um, I, I loved the way that it was, um, there so early. I mean, as you mentioned, it was there on the title card. So, you know, okay, things are going to like, it says like the last golden days. Of, yeah. It's not subtle, Austria. right? Yeah. yeah. Like it sets the scene with a, I mean, it's a very almost specific... like the 24 to like the clock is ticking down <laughs> until the bad thing happens. Right. Yeah, absolutely. But I love how the presence, um, you know, like, like, I think a lot of things like, I, I wasn't there. I don't know the reality, but I suspect, um, you know, based on other times of history of like, it's like a really gradual crescendo. Like at first it's just, it's there and it's Rolf, you know, talking to the, and the butler just says any news. And I had totally missed that as a yeah. kid, like, cause you don't know what you're ta- they're talking about. And then, you know, you start to see it a little bit more and a little bit more. And then, you know, there's the, the cut to when they're there and absolutely, you know, there's, Third Reich flags everywhere, and you know, so it becomes very in your face. But the the slow boil of getting to there, yeah, was I found really effective this time. Um, and also, you you mentioned this, but just kind of that toward the end, not just focusing on Rolf um, in the graveyard when they're trying to escape, but to me that great scene of you know at the beginning we've seen all the nuns in the abbey singing, treating it as a sacred place. And then, you know, the Von Trapp children try to, <coughs> excuse me, try to get Maria from there. And we keep seeing it being treated the way the people who live there think it should be treated. Yeah. And then the Nazis come and just like barrel through the second the gate is opened and have no reverence and no respect for what they're doing. And it's just, it is to me such a great showing, not telling. Yeah. Oh, that's a really, really great way to say it. Yeah. And I think there's so much with the Abbey that, you know, the climb every mountain song in the, in the uh, scene before it uh, with that real sincere and kind desire to like, we're not, we're not out just recruiting to just like, we're not trying to get the maximum number of nuns. (laughs) This is a place for you to be if you truly want to be. And if you don't, 
let me help you try to figure out where you might want to be. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it is, uh, regardless of any feelings that anybody might have about the specific religion, just watching the movie, it, it, it is coded as a warm, welcoming, accepting place saying, let's all figure out where the best place for us to be is to do the maximum amount of good and to be as happy as we can be. Mm-hmm. And that, for me, made it extra effective because yeah. it it wasn't just the symbol of an abbey of like, oh, that's a holy place you shouldn't like again, showing not telling the film makes you feel good about the abbey. Right. You know, right. Regardless of any other connotations or connections that anybody viewing it might have mm-hmm. good, bad or otherwise, th- that's really powerful. Yeah. To be like, I like the nuns who live here, <laughs> you jerks. Right. And then be like, OK, even nuns have to get involved when they kind of, you know, sheepishly pull out the carburetors or whatever parts yeah. they're taking from the cars of like, hmm. Yeah. Well, sometimes we we all have to get involved. Sometimes we all have to get involved. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I just want to talk just basic fun stuff like uh, favorite songs. Uh, I think you I think you've already hinted at what your favorite songs are or rather just said it. But do you have favorite songs? I have I have multiple favorite songs, (laughs) (laughs) but I think on as of this watching right now, I think my favorite song is I Have Confidence. Okay. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Interestingly, I did not know this. Um, I was looking up like, okay, what is some of the history of this versus the musical and all that? That is one of the songs, um, I believe, that was written for the movie by Richard Rogers. Oscar Hammerstein had passed away, so he did both the music and the lyrics. Okay, cool. Yeah. And was that just a an addition or a repetition or a replacement? Um, I believe an addition. Okay. Yeah. I think it works really, really well. Yeah. So I really like that one. I mean, I love the opening you know the the hills are alive with the sound of music yeah i love the do re mi sequence of going through all the different places that the kids are learning to sing yeah and it's very joyful it is really that place where she is just it is powerful to see these kids who have been kind of locked in this kind of rigid place of kind of grieving you know because Mm -hmm. their father can't get out of that place yeah to see them kind of just open up and like what fun is okay right right Joy is okay <laughs> creativity is okay yeah like, yeah so i love that one as like the whole scene with all of not necessarily just the song but the whole you need the film as well yeah um, and one that was really interesting to me um is climb every mountain because i feel like that's one that gets like my favorite things but it gets called back to so much and it you know you hear it a lot outside of the sound of music and it it has its own life mm-hmm. for good and for bad. But coming back to it just within this film is like, wow, yeah, no, that's got a lot of really good, powerful, great meanings to kind of take in and process. Yeah. So that was an effective one to me to be like, oh, yes, take away all of those other layers of whatever you have about the song from outside of this and just listen to the song and listen to the context. Yeah. I think I almost had a little bit of an opposite relationship with Climb Every Mountain of it is one of the song, probably the songs that I knew the best <laughs> and liked the most because uh, a lot of the other singers that I like, I think I have a Sinatra version. Um, I'm pretty sure there's a Tony Bennett version. I'm pretty sure there's a Sammy Davis Jr. version. So I feel like I had a relationship with it. And then to see it in the context of the film and absorb those bigger ideas, and you and I have both talked about uh, a lot over the course of this podcast, uh, we like to do lots of different things <laughs> and therefore have climbed lots of different mountains. <laughs> and that can feel both like a, oh, cool. I'm really, really happy for all of the different experiences that I've had. And then there's that desire to be like, I should find the mountain and I should climb that <laughs> and stick to that mountain. Uh, and just, uh, the, yeah, the way it's 
that those themes, those ideas, uh, the way it's shot. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, going to sort of my relationship w- with what I look for in entertainment of uh, being honest about difficulty, honest about darkness, and that that that's literally a lot of sharp contrast between the shadows and the light in moments where the singer is not even in the light, but that song yeah. is still coming out, trying to find the light is, yeah, uh, not subtle <laughs> and great. No, but beautifully done. But beautifully done. Yeah, I just uh, don't want to say like, I've unlocked the secret of sound. <laughs> like that's, it's not, you know, that uh, complex of a metaphor, but it was really uh, effective mm-hmm. uh, to me. I really, really like my favorite things for all the reasons that we were talking about. I think N- not, you know, having as much of that context of the, the children are scared mm-hmm. and are trying to pretend they're not, but they are in that just kind of the emotion of the children knowing that like, okay, our battle is always the new governess is going to think we're problems and not like us. So we're just going to lean into it and accept that we're just going to chase them away. Mm-hmm. And then just that fact that they're just kind of literally creaking the door open, uh, you know, literally, but also emotionally going, what if, what if we did express some vulnerability to this one? And that she accepts it so much and then does just give them, you know, the few of my favorite things being uh, like, I, I think it resonated me with me more because as we are going through really difficult times, I have been trying to be extremely mindful of like when I have a stressful day and I'm like I don't really have any elbow room. I just have to do the work that I have to do and just to try to take a moment and go, oh, but, you know, I really like my desktop screensaver. <laughs> That makes me happy. (laughs) I really like that action figure next to my desk. I'm, you know, going to have the leftover pasta that my wife made. (laughs) These are a few of my favorite things today, (laughs) you know, and being able to relate it back to real life is powerful to me. Yeah. No, that's beautiful. That's fantastic. Yeah. So now I'll change the lyrics and see if uh, leftover pasta can be worked into. I'm sure it can work. (laughs) Do you have a favorite scene? Oh, wow. Um. Honestly, I I love this. Well, I mean, yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was something like, I can't come up with one. <laughs> There's different ones that I like for different reasons. Um, like just in terms of, I love the scene when uh, Maria is first at the Von Trapp home and it's the whistles and, you know, all the kids are being, you know, marching forward and he gives her a whistle and it's like, and here's what you'll answer to. And she's like, no, I won't. <laughs> and then she whistles for him. And I just, I love that whole scene of seeing the order, seeing him as a person who has not been challenged. Yeah. And then seeing her like, oh no. Yeah. I, I am not a dog. I do not answer to a whistle. I will not call the children with whistles. But I don't know how to call you, so I'm going to call you real quickly with a whistle. <laughs> like just that whole, I just feel like there's so... There's so much within that scene that I love that scene. Um, so I'm going to I'm gonna choose that one for right now, even though yeah. there's, I could go on and on and on. I mean, there's so many. We're not even getting to like the depths of the second and third act. So oh, yeah. I'll start with that one. Yeah, I think that's a great choice. I think what I like about that is it comes so quickly after the I Have Confident song where mm-hmm. she is, you know, struggling and yeah. trying to boost herself up in that moment where when a challenging thing happens, there's no shot of her trying to decide whether she's going to say that. It's just that comes from the depths and the truth of her soul of like, I don't answer to whistles, period. And that's not the way to do it. And if we're going to have this relationship, you're going to treat me with respect. Do you want me to whistle for you? Like the the immediate contrast, and I think that's just so true of, of humans. Like often 
before we encounter something, we're like, will I be able to do the right thing? Will I? And then the moment comes, you're just like, no, this is the right thing, damn it. Yeah, without even thinking about it. Yeah, 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 and just that that trust of self. Yeah, yeah. So Do you have I, a favorite scene? Oh yeah, um, I already talked about it a little bit. The the thunderstorm stuff, oh, all yeah. of it. Uh, the sixteen going on seventeen song. There's some complexity there. Uh, yeah. but I love the the gazebo shots in that uh, of that playfulness, and they're like literally hiding from the thunderstorm, you know, and, and the sort of symbolism of that, and that all going into uh the my favorite things song is all great. Uh, Liesl saying just fair. (laughs) 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 That's one of my favorite beats. Uh, And then I would just say anytime that Captain Von Trapp is talking to or about Nazis. Um, Mm, I I think, you know, Christopher Plummer does an amazing job. I think this is feels like the kind of film where he could have played it or another actor could have played it a little bit closer to stereotypes of just like, I'm stiff-jawed professional man, and I believe in this, and I don't believe in this, but now I'm angry at Nazis. And there's so much subtlety yes. in all of his little takes. He's great throughout. Um, but in particular, there's just that subtle bit of flame that comes up. Like, in it, it is this great contrast because he is, you know that he is a military man. He's got that, uh, you know, rigid uh, background. Mm-hmm. He's got this pain from losing his wife. He's got this bit of humanity and, you know, that reconnection to loving song mm-hmm. uh, and and allowing himself joy, all that stuff. But then that unwavering, kind of like when Maria says, you, you, I do not respond to a whistle, that unwavering, no, uh, this is Austria mm-hmm. and this is what we believe in Austria and uh, this is what Austria stands for, and that is not the Third Reich, and I'm not backing down. Like that great scene where the one person is like at the dinner party is like, "Well, it sounds like you're," I'm paraphrasing here, but it sounds like you're insulting the Third Reich, and he's like, "Oh, I'm I'm sorry if I was unclear. I am <laughs> totally paraphrasing <laughs> there." But that, and then all the way down to the the just sort of um, when they're trying to escape, and he gets the family gets captured trying to escape, mm-hmm. and he has the. Um, the back and forth yes, uh, is just so the playing that sort of political social game of where were they going and why. And, and like you get that sense that he's still that he knows he needs to play this game. There's such fire. There's such defiance. But there's still that like I'm being a gentleman and trying to find subtle ways to, to tell you that. I abhor everything you stand for, but also play your game for the safety of my family. Mm-hmm. All those layers is just, and you know, the, uh, the, the famous, you know, tearing the flag. Yeah. All that was just really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the, that from the, from them leaving the, their house all the way through the, um, the scenes when they're singing at the folk festival. Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't think I've ever watched that without maybe as a kid, I didn't cry, but I certainly can't watch it now without getting tears in my eyes just from like how well it's all done. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the other scene that really affected me is when he, uh, hears his kids singing. Yes. I was going to say that one. Okay. Well, please you you talk about it. (laughs) Oh no, you go ahead. Uh, well just, I think that hit me on a real emotional level because it is so easy to get consumed with, 
frustration and anger and like I want things to go this way I know it's right for me I know it's right for my family and then to hear something beautiful that just shatters the anger and the assumptions yeah and like so clearly touched some this part of his soul that he had deeply deeply locked away yeah it just really it really hit me yeah yeah absolutely yeah. well said oh thank you thank you uh if you could meet maria in real life and ask her to help you with something what would you ask her to help you with oh my goodness um i mean it, ha- it has to be something that involves a song i mean if it's the julie andrews <laughs> version of maria goodness um i i would say that go let's go for a walk and sing i have confidence oh i don't, yeah. ha- I don't have a good example right now but um oh my gosh yes I think go for a walk and sing i have confidence yeah is good. Yeah, because yeah, that's something that she'd be happy to do, right? Right? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to ask you some How Obsessed Are You questions to see if we can figure out if you are obsessed with Sound <laughs> of Music. How often do you think about Sound of Music? Um, In the 20 years when I didn't watch it, probably maybe once a year. Okay. But since we've watched it in the last week, daily. <laughs> um, And as a kid, probably a fair amount. Okay. What When you thought of it as a kid, was it just a fond, like, I like that story, I like those songs? I think it was, you know, everything from I like those songs. I think we had the record oh, of the soundtrack, okay. so I think, and we didn't have, you know, like, there weren't that many records that we played, so I think, and that, like, all of us in our family liked, and so that was one of the agreed upon ones. Um, you, like I mentioned, like, my mom's a big fan, had gone to Salzburg Austrian, like, had walked wow. down some of these streets specifically because of the sound of music. Yeah. And so I think I had that, like, this is a magical film because of yeah. her relationship with it also. Um, and, but I think also just, like, you know, wanting to be one of the Von Trapps. I mean, how cool is that? I like, Actually, I totally forgotten about this. Um, later on in life, I discovered that one of my aunts had actually, like, I didn't really... Th- think a lot about the real Von Trapps when I saw it as a kid. But yeah. then when I was maybe like um early teenager, one of my um aunts mentioned that she like I think she had a book of that was maybe by the real Maria Von Trapp or by one of the kids. And I think she had seen them in concert. And so then I had this whole like, what? What's that like? And what's this? And you know, I think in reality they sing a lot of like or they sang a lot of Austrian folk tunes and things, which is cool and awesome and didn't actually climb over the Alps to escape but um (laughs) so I think I had like it's just it's one of those things that I think kind of bubbled up here and there and I think I probably also didn't necessarily know there was a play version but once I did I was like oh well that would be fun because you know by that point I was wanting to do theater okay cool cool um would you go to a sound of music convention Mm, probably not why not I'm (laughs) some things I like to have as my own personal experience and some things I like to have as a group experience and like at the Hollywood Bowl they do Sound of Music sing-alongs yeah and maybe I would try going to that now having rekindled my reawakened my interest in the film just to see what it's like but I feel like it's one that's a very um, personal obsession for me a personal connection as opposed to a shared connection okay yeah that makes a ton of sense Uh, would you wear Sound of Music temporary tattoos sure (laughs) Is yeah. it like Maria standing on top of a hill singing? Yeah, it can be whatever totally. you want. Yeah. And I asked temporary tattoos because I know you don't want to get a tattoo. Yeah. Uh, but you would be okay. Now, I understand you don't want to go to Sound of Music convention and be like surrounded by it 24-7 and make it, you know, this whole big, you know, projecting 
and making it a community thing. Mm -hmm. But just sort of going out in the world and projecting that, would you, do you like, is that a way that makes sense for you to share your interest? Do you want to share, or would you go to like a uh, Halloween party dressed as a character and like have that be kind of your talking point all night? You know, because people would ask you who you are and you'd be like, well, let me tell you. Yeah, here are my clothes made of drapes. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I would would totally do that and that would actually be the perfect way to... To talk about it and share it. Yeah. Um, because otherwise I feel like a lot of it would be like, oh, I would try to take some of these as my uh, mantra when I'm doing yoga. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, like it is much more of a like um, internal relationship rather than an external relationship. Yeah. But if they're a costume party, absolutely I would go, you know, as one of the children dressed in drapes and yeah. talk about the Santa music with people. Because then you are still sharing your external you you are uh, externalizing your internal love, yeah. Versus being immersed in this community, <laughs> yeah. Which is not against. I mean, I, maybe I would love it. Maybe yeah. I, this is a thing that I also need to discover. Yeah, I, I think it is a a healthy discussion to have right now. Of um, it is it, you know being involved in lots of communities that celebrate things I love. I do that Star Wars podcast and talk with other people about Star Wars constantly. Um, I have uh, I'm on Facebook in this very large Twin Peaks group that's very much like we don't post memes we don't post mean jokes we talk about Twin Peaks mm-hmm. we analyze it and say happy birthday to the actors and we do not say anything negative about any of the actors and like it's a very very positive place but it, for me I do still have to make those choices of like when am I making this too much about a community thing versus when do I just need to retreat to what it means to me personally mm-hmm. yeah and I think it's a, a fine balance for us to be aware of yeah uh, particularly when sometimes things I don't think people mean to but I think just a little bit of it can sometimes tip into a competition and that for me is always a bad thing if you ever feel like you're in a situation where somebody is trying to be like I am the uber fan of x like then it starts to for me to not be about the thing yeah, it starts to be about something, uh, something different. Uh, yeah, just sort of human community interactions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and honestly, that might be part of it. And I mean, it's easy. I know I am not an Uber fan. I do not have it memorized. I did not watch it for many, many years. Um, it's. But you can still be an Uber fan for yourself. Yeah, but I think. Um, I don't know. I think it's just. I think it would be dependent, honestly, on what what a sound of music convention is okay is it about like who can you know dress up as the best max or bowing woman or you know <laughs> things like that or is it like are there panels discussing like what was actually going on in the Angelus and you know what route did they take in the movie over the mountains and yeah. i mean like i think it would depend maybe on what it is but it's still i think it's still a little bit more of a an internal obsession Okay, fair enough. Uh, would you want to have a conversation with Christopher Plummer encouraging him to be more positive about the film? <laughs> um, yes and no. <laughs> I mean, I would love to have a conversation with Christopher Plummer. I think he's an amazing actor. I think he yeah. does a phenomenal job in this. He brings such nuance to the character, which, you know, just like you said, I, it could have been uh, a stereotype. Right. And I feel like the just the, the little eye movements and mouth movements and eyebrow movements. Like, I just feel like he brings such depth to that character. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he, he, and I didn't know until we watched it and I was reading Wikipedia and I didn't know that he had been grumpy about it for decades and has yeah. warmed a little bit in, in the last few years. Yeah. And done some group events in that. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think 
I also feel like, you know, maybe sometimes, you know, actors get cast in roles and they do a good job and they like some parts of it and it isn't for them. And that's that's fine. I feel like The Sound of Music probably isn't for everybody. Yeah. And I don't ever want to feel like people need to be told they're wrong if they don't like it. That's just not <laughs> my approach to life. It's not The Sound of Music's approach to life. Yeah. I mean, I just feel like that's... Like it, do, it doesn't have to be his favorite thing. It, <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't need to sing a song about it during a thunderstorm. That's okay. Okay. Um, but I would honestly be curious to have a conversation with him about it. Um, I think especially having kind of spent this much time away from it and away from thinking about it. Yeah. And then having such a strong response on re-seeing it. Yeah. I would be very curious to just be like, okay, like I know you had your experiences making it and the kind of the mania of it, of, you know, breaking box office records, you know, all of that. Like, so I'm sure if you already were not on board with this movie and then it kind of took over a little bit too much, but have you gone back and rewatched it and what did you think? And, you know, what would have made you like it better? Things like that. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd be up for having a conversation with him. Okay. I think the thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to try to Google and see if Christopher Plummer and Alec Guinness ever got together to complain about Sound of Music <laughs> and Star Wars <laughs> overtaking uh, the general cultural knowledge of their career. Um, I know Christopher Plummer did many other things, but many people's attachment to him is because of this. Yeah. Right? It's a hugely popular film. If we were going to see Sound of Music in a theater, but a bear was blocking our path, would you try to sing to the bear to convince it to move away? Absolutely. <laughs> Which song would you use on the bear? My favorite things. <laughs> what would be, would, would you try to list the bear's favorite things? Yes, and I'd try to gesture like over to the <laughs> sides so the bear would, I'd be like, bees and honey and, um, I don't know, salmon and water. <laughs> You would sing a menu at the bear. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I think that's very good. Uh, can you make a noise to sum up your uh, obsession or interest in Sound of Music? The hills are alive. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. Let's see. Um, I'm going to stick with that one. I think that's. I think that's solid. We'll go with here. The hills are alive. That's the car not being able to start at the end. <laughs> Uh, that is, it's rare that that sound is a hopeful sound when, you know, a car (laughs) engine won't turn over and it brings you hope. All right. Let's rate your obsession. So on a scale of one to 10, where do you think it is? So I'm going to go with, um, I think we did this with you a few weeks ago in terms of like day to day life. I'm honestly probably going to put it at like a five or something. Okay. But in terms of overall impact on my life, um, which is maybe a, for us a the ranking i will use i'm yeah. gonna put it pretty like a seven or an eight okay maybe yeah. seven, seven and a half okay seven and a half i think that's good I, yeah i think uh, i'm not gonna argue with that i would inch you up to an eight if you wanted to but yeah yeah no, seven and a half going on eight seven and a half going on eight yeah uh all right let's do some uh quick plugs and then we'll do our final questions uh, where can people find you on social media you can find me on twitter at sarah underscore scrimshaw 
Excellent. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter and Facebook as at Obsessed Podcast. You can also check out the Star Wars podcast I co-host. That is called Force Center for info on all my upcoming shows and comedy albums. And I think shows will upcome again. You can check out my website at josephscrimshaw.com. You can also support Obsessed by backing us on Patreon. Fluent on that, go to patreon.com slash josephscrimshaw. We're also uh, promoting uh, Vote Forward. This is an organization that helps you write letters to other voters, encouraging them to use their power. The letters are all supposed to go out by October 17th, so at the time of releasing this, there is still a window. They've had so much success uh, that they are adding a bunch more letters. They're doing even uh, letters that are just letting people know the information in their area because that's one of the biggest battles Mm -hmm. to get people to vote because it can be confusing. So if you'd like to write some letters, I am having such fun writing letters. You can go to Vote Forward. Their website is votefwd.org. All right. You ready for some final questions? Sure am. If you could blow a whistle to summon anything, what would you want to be able to summon? Ooh, a glass of water. (laughs) (laughs) What, What would your water whistle sound like? Um, <laughs> and then the water would just appear. You would glass, always be yeah. hydrated. Yeah, yeah no, I mean, it's like, not great if the water just dumps from the sky. That's true. And I guess I did say glass water. I just, I, I am always feel like I just I drink a lot of water. So. It is one of your favorite things. <laughs> a glass of water. Uh, if you could do a show and then immediately teleport away, where would you want to teleport to after a show? Oh my gosh. <laughs> There's so many places, especially right now. But specifically after a show, you finish a show. Mm-hmm. It went well, like it did for the Von Trapp family. Maybe you even won an award, but then you can just pop anywhere else. Wow. Um, I mean, I like a. I mean, that's the time when you want to be around the people you've just done a show with. Yeah. So maybe you just don't want. It. Maybe you want so to teleport I'm... into the middle of the audience. <laughs> <laughs> I want to teleport to. Um, wherever people are going to be hanging out without having to move my car. Nice. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is coming from somebody who has done lots of shows in Minnesota <laughs> in the middle of the winter. And like, you've finished the show. You're going to go hang out at the party. Uh, will my car start? Will my car move? Right. <laughs> so to be able to teleport. Yep. Yeah. I would be. I would love to teleport directly from the show to uh, the after show party, which is uh, on a hill in Austria. <laughs> yeah. I mean, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I would enjoy that very, very much. Uh, Final question for everyone on the podcast. What is happiness? Happiness is finding your favorite things. (laughs) That is a great answer. Thank you so much uh, for listening. That is our podcast. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. So I want to share one of my more recent uh, relationships with Sound of Music before we rewatched it. You and I went to the Hollywood Bowl and we saw Pink Martini and it's a very interesting, fun, you know, love that band and I know so do you, uh, but a chaotic show with lots of guests. Mm -hmm. And one of the guests was the actual Von Trapp family, uh, Mm -hmm. the descendants of the Von Trapp family. They're not... (laughs) (laughs) They're not immortal or anything, uh, which is interesting all by itself. But the a member of the Pink Martini band introduced the Von Trapp family by saying, you know, of course, they're well known from the film Sound of Music, the last great American musical. And when he said that, I was like, oh, well, that's, you know, I, I think maybe people would debate with that, but I can see where you're coming from. It's one of the last musicals made in this grand epic uh, style. So mm-hmm. fair enough. And then he said, actually, the last great American film. 
And my mind was just blown. I've been obsessed <laughs> with that. That was like a year and a half ago, and I'm still obsessed with it. That it's just uh, I, now that I've seen the film again, and it's like, oh wow, I, I like this film much more than I thought I did. I'm still blown away that you would say in the middle of a concert an incredibly divisive thing of like just Star yeah. Wars, Godfather, Get Out, you know, any number of films that you can list. Eh, there hasn't been a great American film Sorry. since 1965. Jaw dropping. Jaw dropping. Jaws. <laughs> jaws dropping. Drop jaws. Uh, did it Did it affect you? Well, so here, I honestly, I kind of missed it that he changed it to Great American Film because you told me this. You're like, because afterward, you're like, I couldn't even listen to the rest of the concert after that, you know, as we were walking away. And it's like, well, he said the last Great American Musical, like, not sure that I would agree, but like, I can see it like you just said. And you're like, no, he said the, then he changed it and added. And I had missed that he added last Great American Film. So happily, it did not distract me from the rest of the concert. But um, I mean, no, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I disagree with him. Yeah. When he announced the Von Trapp family, mm-hmm. were you disappointed that they actually came out or because you wanted it to be a joke on the movie where they never actually re-entered the stage? <laughs> it had been too long since I'd seen the movie. I wouldn't have gotten the joke. 